When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Today, I'm moving a little slow because we had, of course, the third and final part of the reunion of Vanderpump Rules, and I watched it at Sur, and that was an experience in itself. Uh, it really feels like it was ground zero, apocalypse, and now we potentially are in a post-scandal uh, environment. This has been going on, as our guest says, uh, I think for like 98 days now or, or something. Our, our long-suffering national nightmare is almost over. But our guest today, I'm so thrilled to have. Now, we talked with Stephanie McNeil earlier this week, who also writes for Glamour Magazine. And Glamour Magazine happened to be working on a profile of Ariana Maddox, who is at the center of this storm. We've been talking about her now for the past three months. But this article, I think, is so worth your time because it does... It's 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 a profile that takes us even past the scandal, and we actually get to start learning more about Ariana and not even making a case, but showing who she is, how she's weathered this, but how much more she is than just scandal. So 
I am so delighted to have today the author of this article. Her name is Perry Samatin, and she is Glamour's digital director. And she she had a podcast herself for Glamour called What I Wore When, which I was listening to a couple episodes this morning. It's excellent. All those past episodes are there. She's she's done it with Stasi. She did it with Dorit. Uh, just amazing. But I can't wait to talk to her about the creation of this article, get her own personal feelings on Scandaball. So Perry, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. Um, how are you doing? I mean, how are you? I mean, only you're a Vanderpump Rules fan. You've been watching this, but you also now have this kind of uh you were able to talk to Ariana and create this amazing profile. Did that change your perception of Scandaval after talking to her, or were you always always pretty resolute in how you felt about Scandaval? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Yeah, we're very happy with the profile. It came together very, very quickly. Usually when Glamour does a cover, we have about six to eight weeks to turn around the the actual story from the shoot. And this, we had about two days. I had two days to write the story. So we really hustled on it because we did want to, you know, capitalize on the moment. We knew we wanted to publish it right after part three. So, you know, it came out 8 a.m. today. So it was less than 12 hours after the reunion. So we kind of checked all the boxes there. Um, and for me, yeah, talking to her, it did change my perspective a lot. Um, I always thought, you know, I've been watching that show since season one. It's my favorite of, of it's my favorite in the Bravo canon. And I've always considered Ariana to be sort of level-headed and a little bit cooler than everyone else, seemingly yeah. not as desperate. Just there was something about her, you know, hence the name. <laughs> the <CIA. laughs> but really, there was. Yeah. And what changed for me was talking to her. I was pleasantly surprised that she lived up to that. She was mature and cool and calm and really candid and willing to answer anything. Um, you know, a lot of times when we'll interview sort of movie stars and so-called A-listers, they reserve the right often to say, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. Or that's all I'm going to say about that. She was like, I said, is anything off the table? She was like, no. Yeah, um, I was wondering about that. I had a question of like, you know, you do this for a living. You deal with a lot of bigger personalities and, and people that have made a mark, but it is got to be refreshing when somebody is unguarded because it makes your job that much easier. And you can actually make a way more interesting article based on that. Yeah, it's honestly the dream. I, if it, I mean, if it were up to me, you know, that would be these types of personalities would be the type of people I interview much more frequently because they are completely willing to to play ball. You know, they they want their stories told. They're not necessarily promoting anything but themselves, which I think is really interesting. You know, a lot of celebrities that I've interviewed in the past are promoting projects, big blockbusters, big television shows. And so they have to stay on brand for their network, their agent, their this, their that. When you're in reality TV, you just really have to stay true to yourself or whoever you're yeah. showcasing. So that was that was really great. And yeah, there was nothing, there was no language, you know, when I was going back, when we were going back and forth with her team, there was nothing where they said, no, you know, don't touch on this. So everything, everything God. Was I mean, even uh, I do interviews with Bravo celebrities and there'll be like all of these things I can't touch. So yeah. when you have somebody unguarded, it's just so much better. But you have this great line in the article, uh, public humiliation is the lifeblood of reality television. And I thought that was such a great, succinct uh, line and a summation 
of what we've just watched. But at the same time, it's what exploded this whole thing is that this these sacrifices, this pain we watch her go through is really what has driven the Vanderpump economy that everybody is selling shirts and everybody, you know, we're all making money off of somebody's personal pain, but that has been reality television since day one. Have you always felt that? A hundred percent. I, you know, I'm dating myself here, but I, I was very starting college when Survivor first came out, which arguably is the first real reality show. I mean, I guess you could say real world. Real world. Come on. (laughs) But I mean, actually on, you know, network television, not cable. And I remember I was an intern at the time at CBS News. And I mean, everybody every week would just flip out about not about the challenges, but about the embarrassing things that people are doing because we'd never really seen that before. And so ever since then, I've really been fascinated in reality as a genre and sort of, I I have admiration for reality talent and the way they put it out there. And when they do have public humiliation, they just get, you know, they get right back on the horse and they'll film another season. And I think it's, I actually (laughs) think it's very admirable. So yes, I certainly have always felt that way. And I watch, I mean, I watch, I don't just watch Bravo. I watch a ton of reality TV. It's always rooted in some sort of humiliation. I feel like there's going to be a medical experiment done like 20 years from now studying these reality television stars because what they're used to now, even off camera, is like, who is used to this? I I keep trying to tell the audience is like, these are not, you know, a lot of these people aren't great people and they're used to doing these things and they've all done something They've all done really bad things to each other. So everybody on that stage last night has done wild things, but it is interesting for somebody in their forties, somebody in there to still be doing something egregiously so bad that even as a dude, you know, because glamor is, you know, primarily, uh, you know, a magazine focusing for women and these, you watch this internalized misogyny, not only with the women, but what we let the men get away with. Even last night, I was like, Raquel, you know, Rachel, she's not even, it's deeply unsatisfying because she can't really, there's nothing there, but we, we still aren't getting to the root of the matter. Like let's get dig into Sandoval a little bit more. And it was wild that we were throwing this all on somebody that it was like, this isn't satisfying to watch because she can't really effectively communicate. Yeah. I don't know what was going on there. I just, in my head, I was like, babe, are you okay? Like, like, were you medicated? Were you in shock? I don't, I honestly, that with her, I mean, that I honestly think, I do think reality personalities put on, you know, they do lean in, they don't play a character, but they definitely lean into a character. I don't know about her. I, something, something was going on there that I almost like felt alarmed. I mean, I don't feel sorry for her, but I feel alarmed. Her mental state to be correct. It was really, I, you know, I was doing that, that, that sir party. We all watched it and I was, thinking at the end there'd be some kind of celebration some kind of like woo we did it and it was it was not that it was sad and it was I wasn't somewhere. like I, I wasn't like I said I I wasn't completely sympathetic with Rachel at all but at the same time I was like wow we didn't really get any answers and that's why your profile piece is so refreshing to read and that's why I suggest you guys do this after even the second or third time you watch this reunion because it I, actually starts, you know, asking questions about Ariana that I want to know. Fill in those blank spots. What were some of those blank spots for you with Ariana? And and just to point out earlier, she said this was 
really pieced together so quickly. She did the first interview, you guys, after the second, after the first part finale aired, right? So it was this, it was the day after the second. So I flew to LA. um, We did the interview on Thursday. So a week, a week ago today. And then flew home Friday and started writing. So I didn't really. And you spoke to her last night too, just for some clarification. We did. We did. I ended up not using it in the piece. So when I had, I didn't put this in the profile, but when I had spoke to her, I asked her, you know, they keep sort of, Bravo keeps pushing this big bombshell at the end of season three. So you know what it is. And she said, I do. And she said, Bravo, she indicated that Bravo, which I get sort of packages it up like a bombshell. And but they don't tell her this is the bombshell. But she asked the producers, "Do I know about the bombshell?" And they said, "Yeah, you do." So and she said to me, "It's not." She said, "It's terrible, but it's not like a huge thing." So and it ended up being that the affair was going on a little bit longer, which people I think speculated. I mean, every time I looked at like a Reddit thread or an Instagram, people were speculating that. So it wasn't anything enormous. No, we were speculating that she shot JFK. We were like, Raquel is responsible. Raquel is responsible for every, like, I mean, everybody got, went crazy with this. And so it is interesting. I just, I've studied this the last three months of like, this horrible thing happened and it's really just alarming and so fascinating from a reality television perspective, you're just sucked into, but we as an audience over the last three years, especially, we need more. We need to make more mm-hmm. of it. We need to make these insane things that actually don't exist and actually then kind of cloud what is the reality of their reality. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, so we, I spoke to her last night after, but what she said, she just ca- sort of reiterated very succinctly what the whole scandal is in general. She said diabolical, ridiculous. So I felt like that was already communicated in the profile. So I didn't feel the need to put her thoughts in from last night because the bombshell wasn't that shocking. Um, but back to your earlier question, for me, the gaps that I wanted to fill in, I'm very interested in reality personalities outside of their their immediacy. So outside of their shows and outside of their social media personality and or personas. And I was very curious, okay, you have this girl on Vanderpump Rules who never seemed to really stir up that much drama. She always seemed to be a little bit above it. And suddenly she's the most famous reality star in the world with all of this drama. So not only was I curious, you know, how do you get from here to there, but also what, how did you get into reality? Like that is another thing that I don't think people really dig into with reality stars, unlike celebrities where we know their backstory and where they're from. Like these people seem to just materialize on our TV and we know very little. (laughs) Even when you're a fan, even if you follow them and follow them and follow them, we know very little about their lives pre whatever network or television show they're on. And I was very curious about Ariana's life. I knew just from watching the show that she was from Florida. I had no idea where. I vaguely had a sense of how old she was, but I didn't really know anything. So I said, you know, we really want to humanize you. We want to talk about Scandal and all that, but we want it to be a profile that would equal, you know, any other star that we've that we've done recently. And she was totally on board and she talked really candidly about her life growing up and her family and her parents and, you know, how they didn't really grow up with a lot, but they gave her a lot. And, you know, sort of her dad wasn't always coming home at night. And a lot of the things that she was dealing with in her life seemed to have shaped who she was. And then she took that and used it on the show. Um, but that, that was, for me, was the gap that I wanted to fill in. And she definitely... 
shined quite a light on it. So I was, I was so happy that she was willing to do that. I mean, you've done this for so long. Do you, do you let yourself during an interview process? Do you, do you let allow yourself to have thoughts of, well, this is going well. I, I really like this person. Do you, I mean, are you steely when you, you know, like, how do you, I mean, what is that process of interviewing somebody in the storm of all of this, knowing that you have to put together an article that is going to be interesting? Like, do you like within the first five minutes go, okay, this is going to be easy and this is going to be good. I don't, I never think it's going to be easy because you never know what you're going to get. I mean, there, for example, there was a celebrity, I didn't, it wasn't a cover story, but um, I interviewed a celebrity, like an iconic celebrity who's in her seventies, who I was so excited to talk to. She like wasn't, she was kind of over it. Like she wasn't really giving much and I could tell she wasn't really into doing press and I thought it was going to be easy because she's funny and crass and cool. And so I don't really like to let myself think, and she was lovely, but she definitely, it wasn't easy. You know, I was asking questions and I would get very short answers. So you never really know if it's going to be easy. Um, I'm not steely at all. I actually find, um, I think because I, I do think I have, I have good interviewing skills. And I think that's because I'm able to be very approachable and friendly without pandering. Like I honestly, I'm not just saying this, I don't get starstruck. Like there's nobody that I, I'm fans of people, but there's no one that I would be fawning or shocked. Yeah. 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 So I think I go in hoping for the best. I give everyone the benefit of the doubt, but no, I'm not steely. I mean, I try to be chatty and, you know, even if we go over time, like I'd rather have a little bit of extra conversation there and maybe yeah. be short on some questions because I think developing a rapport is really important. And in this case, it definitely felt like we were, you know, in LA at like a sitting on the patio of a restaurant. And it just felt like two gals, you know, having lunch. And yeah, I, I geek out with how the sausage is made. So like, I, I really think what, you know, this is an art, what you do, but I just want to let the audience know, I was texting with Ariana before this, and this is a direct quote from Ariana in regards to Perry. She is awesome. She is super sweet. You are going to have the best time talking with her. So <laughs> our, yeah, I thought that was very nice that she, she said that. And then she also said, Hey, I was thinking about you. This reminded me of you, Ryan. And she, it was the quote, maybe the real scandal was the friends we made along the way. And uh, I thought that was very funny as well. You filling in those gaps, I wanted to point out a couple of things that I found really interesting that you got her to talk about it just in terms of, you know, she's profiting over not, I mean, she's made almost a million dollars in terms of brand deals. And you had a really great line about, you know, this money actually going into your checking account. But she says, we, my, regarding her family, we have no generational wealth in our family. I want to make enough money to be able to take care of my mom and my brother and any other family members who may or may not need it. I never want to worry about it ever, ever, ever. So I will work as much as possible to not have to. I thought that was such a great quote. So powerful. And that was, so I went into it, the first order of business on my agenda, a lot of my notes centered around her perspective on money. First of all, I always find that interesting when I'm interviewing celebrities, whether it's in print or on, you know, my former podcast, I'll always ask about, you know, to get a little bit real about money. So I'll say, you know, when you started realizing, Hey, I'm good at what I do, you know, what's something that you bought or how do you, how do you view money? Is it important to you? I think it's important to talk about that and also kind of juicy. Um, and I love getting people just to be real about it. Like on my podcast, so many people admitted that they're just like, I don't know, I love shopping. And I think that's so powerful <laughs> because for women, no, really for women, it's always like such a, 
Like you shouldn't, you can love fashion, but you shouldn't say you love shopping and being indulgent. And it's just really nice to hear that. Um, but with Ariana, I know that there were so many articles tallying up her sponsorships and her SponCon and sort of estimating or speculating about how much money she was raking in. So I wanted to ask her, for the record, she didn't tell me that $1 million, That was That was an estimation that I found elsewhere. Um, so I linked to that. So I don't exactly know, but it's that's a pretty good estimation because if you think about all these corporate companies she's working with, I mean, they're not, she's not doing this for free, nor should she. I mean, they're pretty big companies. So I was very happy that she was candid about that. And she was But what like, a great way to, I mean, what a great way to be like, I, you know, listen, if I have this opportunity, it's not even for me. It's for everybody. Like I want, I want to be able to take care of people if they need it. Like that was to me what like, man, that, you know, people are like starting to like get this, like, well, she's getting too much. She's getting too much. And I'm like, these people only have opportunity at a certain point. And my God, thank God she's capitalizing off this in a way. And, and it isn't just, I want to go shopping. She's like, I want to not worry about money ever again. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, she wasn't someone I asked her, it didn't make it into the piece, but I asked about shopping and about sort of what was, you know, what were some things you splurged on when you actually started making money from the show before the breakup? She was like, uh, like not much. She said she bought herself a bag, like a nice bag when she first started and she still uses it. And she said she doesn't really go nuts for stuff like that. She didn't strike me as someone that was materialistic at all. And I really, I really felt that like she just didn't. She's like, yeah, I bought a designer bag. I use it. It's pretty beat up. I love it. But like, I don't, like she just didn't. And so she really seemed and I think on the show at some point or she had said she had spoken seasons ago about financial independence being something that's very important to her. And she was really she really stood her ground on that point. She she drove it home and she said, why wouldn't I? There were some articles that I saw that rounded up approximately how much money she was making. And they were a little snide. And she yeah, was, like, yes, you know, like a little like it was like it was like feminism veiled in <laughs> like it was like you go, girl, boss slay but also kind of like it's a like acting like the publications didn't know any of the brands and it was all it's a lot of the things I read were snide and she was like that's okay like I'm making money and I mean what it's, it's so smart I've been really impressed too even in these brand deals she's found ways to make them funny or a little a cut above what I normally see with influencer like on you know right. branding commercials you know like she had one for Duracell yesterday that I thought was hysterical because of Tom's okay. you know pins and batteries dude you got to stock that stuff you know I love that that they were able to then flip that around and she's I was at a raising canes uh, event with her uh, a couple weeks ago and I was still just so impressed within the minute she shows up with a smile she's genuinely happy to be there she genuinely likes to meet these people yeah. and I was I mean like I can't even get myself out of bed half the time like she right. is and it, it, did, it doesn't ever read fake or phony and that's what I was appreciating and I'm curious to see where it goes from here you mentioned on this interview that uh you know you're not starstruck or anything like that but even uh the staff they were bringing over a round of free drinks they brought over dessert did you notice other people staring at her no, so we actually went when I when I pitched this cover and her team accepted, I had said, you know, my boss was like, take don't don't settle for like 45 minutes, like try to get her 
for a long period of time. So you can really spend time with her, maybe an activity. So I pitched, I was like, I don't know, does she want to go like on a hike? Does she want to go to a museum? Does she want to, you know, get drunk? Like whatever she wants to do. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I said drink. <laughs> I would have said that. Yeah. I mean, I was indicating. Yeah. <laughs> like, I felt whatever would bring out. And they actually said that paparazzi has been problem with her. And so hiking, because there was apparently reportedly on our shoot for her, it was like in a field, but there were paparazzi there. And so a lot of those things- Paparazzi showed up to a field? It was, I wasn't there. It was the shoot was a week before I met her. It wasn't, yeah, it was like a field. You can look, if you look on Glamour, you'll see the story. And it's like a field. It was near her home, I believe, but it was not, it was fairly like secluded. Yeah, there were, my team who were there told me there was paparazzi. So they were like, we're going to, if it's okay with you, we're going to do it at a private club, like a sort of like a Soho house vibe. It wasn't Soho house, but like that vibe. Yeah. They said, there's a pool, there's a restaurant. So you guys can just hang there. So I said, oh, that's perfect. And because it'll be quiet. So nobody really, there, it was, we met at one o'clock. Um, we had lunch, we had a couple of drinks. It wasn't crowded. So nobody was really noticing patron wise. I don't think, but yeah, the wait staff, it was interesting. Our waitress, um, I don't know. She didn't really seem like somebody that would watch Vanderpump Rules. I just got that vibe. And she kept checking up on us. And I, <laughs> I assumed that she was just a really, really over-solicited waitress. But I think somebody there must have told her. I don't know. Because then they brought dessert. They were like, oh, we each had two drinks. And they were like, oh, that one of the rounds is on us. And I was like, okay. All of a sudden, you're in Dumois. There's a blind. Like, I mean, I, I was surprised. Right. I kind of expected that, yeah. <laughs> Um, so the other thing you guys talk about, and I don't want to be too crude, but I think this is an open conversation in terms of the show itself was the Sandoval in terms of one of the reasons that he went to Rachel was the, their sexual relationship. Yeah. And I thought she made a very powerful statement in this, you know, is that I am not, you know, I'm there for intimacy. I'm not somebody's fleshlight, which I thought was such a great pull quote. You know, did oh you, uh, really, did that resonate for you? How she was speaking about that? hundred percent. I mean, first of all, it was nice to hear her re reiterate that because she has said that season after season, even when they seemingly were happy and things were fairly copacetic, she had said in many episodes past that, you know, intimacy outside of sex is important to her spending time together, laughing, doing things. crazy, right? That's disgusting I mean, that she wants it. What kind of woman is this? She's a monster. What we're yeah, like what what are you into? Um, <laughs> you wanting to like watch a show with your man? Oh, yeah, my God, man. yeah, gross. Um, and it sounded to me, I mean, she kind of said, you know, she said the phrase "come home" once or twice, but it kind of indicated that like he just he still you know he loved going out and and she said you know I love going out too. She said I love to celebrate birthdays or we like to go party with our friends. She said, but I'm at a point in my life reality show or not, or no, if there's nothing to celebrate or there's nothing to shoot, I might not go out and stay out really late on a Wednesday or a Tuesday. That's just not where I am. And she said he was. So right away, you kind of got a little bit of a divide there. Like she wasn't getting enough time with him. And it's hard, like as women, like you can't, you know, if you have a long-term partner, it's you can't just turn it on. Like you need, you know, you need that intimacy. So what I think what she said spoke volumes. And I think it spoke for a lot of women and probably men too, just people, good people. I think, I mean, 
I, I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised with how candid she was. Yeah. She was like, I mean, oh. saying I'm not your fleshlight. Like I was like that, that's a really great, like way to put it, which is, you know, for those that don't know, that's a, a male sex toy. So well, she was, I mean, like, yeah. Covering this season. That was the thing that I kept even asking myself as a dude was I was like, wait a sec. So Tom's argument is that women should be there to stock things and women should be there for our use to have sex with. And if they don't, they leave themselves open to be cheated on period. I mean, it's And the, we it's should empathize with Tom. The old, for me that, I mean, yes, every, you know, his way of, of saying it was a little different than, than the next guy or the guy before him. His thing was like batteries and stocking, but it's true. It is so true. And we know, I mean, it's, that is familiar territory. That is well, well trodden territory. I, I feel like it's just, yeah, you made that point of like this is this is not the first time. This is not going to be the last time. This is and but but for a guy like you know like it is interesting to hear these things and then to start recognizing that all that all women you're like man this isn't new. What are you like? If it's surprising to you, it's not surprising to us. And I thought that was extremely like a great point to reiterate of like you know all the women out there. This is well uh, this is a well traveled road. Sure is. And, and I, I think for me, I mean, this is why I think for a lot of women, it really hit home because I have had, you know, family members and friends and in my own life, people that have been unfaithful to their partners. And it's always that same story of like, you know, when you're caught, it's like, well, you didn't give me your time. And you talk down to me. And then like Ariana said in the finale, when she said, and by the way, that great scene in the opener of the finale, when her and Tom were actually talking it out, she said that was hours and it got distilled into like four minutes. Oh yeah. For the finale, they had been talking for out. God. I mean, first off, I need a Peacock version of your interview. I need the fully unedited version of you and Ariana's. I mean, I want this filmed for Peacock, but I mean, I do wonder that two hour conversation that they filmed, I would love to see, like, I don't need fancy edits. I don't need, I mean, I know they're making a show, but that would have been so traumatic because we've all been in those relationship conversations that last for hours and go nowhere. And there's ups and downs and ups Mm -hmm. and downs. I mean, we've all been there and that's why you're like, oh, wow, this is so real. And she said in that conversation, this is what hit home for me because this is, you know, just the thing is when she was like, Oh, like you got a little bit of money and like a little bit of, uh, you got your little band and you got your little little fame. Right. And like, you have this girl like ready to gas you up and like come, she didn't say verbatim, but like commiserate with you about how I don't give you this and that. Like it's such, it's such a cliche because it's, I mean, it's, I I've seen it and I felt it and I've experienced it and, you know, time and again, it's just, that's just a very classic male pattern. And I think, I mean, I do think initially, you know, a lot of people are like, why is this a story? Even the comments on, on Glamour's page, a lot of people are applauding us for covering her, but a lot of people are like, why is this news? Why is this a story? Well, please tell me Lee Ev Schreiber now reads Glamour and he's like, this is not what I tune into Glamour for. This is not why I read Glamour. That was embarrassing. I was like, take a seat, like, stop it. Several like, seats, yeah. Take several seats because anything in the, I mean, we live in a world where the zeitgeist is the thing. Like, the New York Times is not above, you know, trying to get in on the cultural conversation if it's outside of politics or something that we consider highbrow. Of course, the New York Times would want to 
chat with Ariana or chat with Lisa or some, like, I don't blame them. And for him to say that, but also, um, lost my train of thought because I was so angry about Leah. No, I mean, we're talking about just like comments in the glamour thing of people going, is this news? Is this news? And I think, I think by and large, outside of those few, the reason why people care is because we've all either had this happen to us or every friend or family member who has been, who has had infidelity in their lives. It always goes that way. It's always like, well, I kind of got blamed and the other woman or partner was there to like Oh, like prod and gas him up. And like, and then yeah. the woman is left feeling like really shitty. And I think that's, it was just so recognizable on so many levels. You got this great piece of information in this article, you guys, you, uh, once again, I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but I had already heard this and I wasn't able to speak about this on the show because it was private information, but she talked about, of, you know, going through, you know, the, the, the apps and finding how he was hiding information. There was a calculator app that was a vault kind of, and he was able, she was able to go in basically. I know her and her friend Logan, mm-hmm. um, who I, they were able to find screenshots, I believe of text conversations. And she opened up to you about this. And I thought, and you also had this great comment in there of going, a woman would never be this dumb. I mean, she said, and she said too, you know, apart from just, keeping these things on your phone, he was hiding things in apps that were synced to their shared laptop. That is when I was like, come on, at least not <laughs> condone. I'm not condoning your behavior, but at least do the work in covering your track. Do the work. Do the he come on, he found a secret app. That's kind of doing the work. But you know, it is wild to think about these. And I remember I, I you know, somebody had when I telling me about these conversations also that it didn't even really seem like Tom. It showed how possessive he was of Rachel and how, you know, like really this, this guy was on one about this, but the fact that he was saving these screenshots, but also for a partner then to find all of these things after the the fact. And that's what I think the reunion has been powerful. And even after the reunion stopped filming, she has found more and more things out. So it's this evolving thing of you keep finding out how shitty this dude was over this last year. And she can and I don't think I used it in the piece, but in the when I was going through the transcript, which was like 97 pages, it was so long, but every <laughs> word was so Will this be a book? Perry, we need I mean, a book. Really we need the transcripts. Be, it should be like a novella. She she said that behavior, she kept calling it weird. And I was like, that's exactly like weird. It's just weird. Like the whole thing. Yeah. This guy, I mean, I never, I think viewers, fans of the show, I don't think anyone ever thought he was like an angel, but I don't think he had, he wasn't giving like evil vibes the way he is now. And I don't know, something. Something shifted. I mean, I think that's also why some people, there's fan theories circulating that this whole thing is fake and he's playing a role. He's playing a role. She talked about this as well in terms of people thinking her life is fake. There were loads of comments on Reddit. I mean, mostly Reddit was Team Ariana, no one, but there was a there was quite a few subreddits where they were like, obviously this is fake. Bravo is struggling, like as a network, they're competing with streaming. They had a recast has what, like doing all this. And they're which okay. And Ariana said, maybe I could see that, like how people think that, but like these are people's lives. Like, why would you, why would not even her, because she's come out on top. 
why would Tom and Rachel agree to this? Like, they're yeah, if, she, if he is a narcissist, if he is any of these things, usually that kind of behavior doesn't encourage like, yeah, make me look like a complete effing idiot for the sake of like, he's not like that martyr throwing himself on the, the pyre just to no. get everybody like better brand deals. No, exactly. And to get Bravo ad dollars, because now everybody wants to advertise during the show. Like that is not something in my mind that Tom Sandoval or Raquel would sign up for. I don't, I don't think that's in there. That's something they would care about. And why should they? They're not, no, they're yeah. not like ad salespeople for the network. Like, why would they care about this? Like, <laughs> I love it. It's just so funny. Cause I was like, okay, you guys, you think this is all fake, but then if it's all fake, why are you still watching? Why, you know, like, why are you like, I watch it because there is this shred of like reality. And especially with Scandaball, what I think we're so drawn to is that it's more than a shred. It's the whole, mm -hmm. like, this is real. Like, you know, when something's real, when I watch selling sunset, I know what I'm signing up for. I know what exactly what it is. I know, but it's so funny to me. Sometimes that fake skewed reality. But when I watch this, it gives you goosebumps because it is so real. And I think that's what's going to be interesting going into season 11, which you guys spoke about a little bit as well. It, as a fan, even, even talking to her, where would you want to see season 11 go in your head? I was, I, I will say I, I wasn't sure I had heard rumors. So I thought that the big reveal for, I thought this for a bit that the big reveal last night on part three of the reunion was going to be, and I saw some people speculating, was that the show was moving to Las Vegas because Lisa yeah. has all these properties in Vegas. So I kind of thought I didn't really want it to go there, but I was like, that makes sense. Lisa needs to be there to tend to her properties. She'll have new you know, staff and maybe like the OGs will go to train. That's what I thought. I thought maybe it would focus on Lisa's new young staff at her, her Vegas properties. And then Ariana, like the waitresses and bartenders and waiters would go to train them, which is a way to like get them all the money. Yeah. That is what I thought. And I'm like, oh. and you had Oliver, they, th they set up Oliver as a character this season who works at, you know, and, and even they mentioned him last night in the, the, I was like, why are we keep talking about Oliver unless you're going to make him a piece of something? It didn't make sense to me. Right. So that's kind of what I thought. And then it doesn't seem that. So I don't, I mean, I don't know, I guess. I guess this season will focus a little bit on it's starting to film. I think she said this summer and she's still living there because they're in, they're trying to sell the house. So I guess that's going to be part of the drama. Be like a war of the roses kind Maybe. of like, you know, right. like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But once again, you're signing up for personal pain. You're oh, signing yeah. up for, and I was talking to some of the producers last night and I was just, I'm so fascinated with their job because you're like, it's a delicate balance of also trying to keep Rachel and Tom into the fold. So you can't completely badmouth them as production. You're like, well, they have a story to tell. I was thinking about this with you though, in your work, would you ever want to, or try to go for a profile of uh, Rachel? Would you ever, would Glamour Magazine ever want to go for that story? Yes, I would. I, I would, I think. What would your angle be? What would you, what would you want to hear? Or what would I you mean, want to find out? Well, I guess we would we would have to, in order to green light it, we would have to have sort of verbal confirmation from her, her representation, if she has any, that she would be willing to be pretty unfiltered. You know, we would never feature. I mean, somebody like, somebody who is cast in a light of such a bad sort of woman, like not, 
having no sort of feminist tendencies whatsoever. And Glamour is not that, you know, we try to champion all women. So I think in order for us to feature her, it wouldn't just be for traffic because she didn't, she's not really a great woman in my opinion. So it would have to be, she would have to really want to come clean, set records straight, tell her side of the story. I mean, I think if she, I think if she was honest, I, but I don't think, you know, I think with Ariana, the tone of the piece, I think, you know, it was treated like any other profile, but the tone was fairly sympathetic. And I don't think it was a puff piece. I don't think it was fawning. I asked her a couple of tough questions and I don't think any of it was like, oh my God, we're, we love you. Like, but it was by and large when you read it, like you can tell that we're on your side. I don't think if I ever did that with Rachel or if one of my colleagues ever did that, I wouldn't, I would encourage them to be much more skeptical and really ask some hard questions. And when writing it, not be mean, not be snarky, because that's just not the way to be a journalist. But I would very clearly make it a little bit more balanced and not as pro. Yeah. I mean, but also I think that's what the audience wants. And I think when you see a reunion, it was part of the unsatisfying aspect of part three. Do you do that when you watch a reunion? You're like, Andy, I would have asked this or Andy, come on. Like, this is right there, Andy. Don't move on. A little bit. I, I didn't, I honestly didn't really feel that with the reunion. I think Andy does an outstanding job with those. And I think the cast members usually on speak sort of get it done themselves with all the talking. There were a few questions. Um, I was very excited to see, Ariana on Watch What Happens Live. And on that show, there were a few questions I was shocked that Andy didn't ask. And also earlier in the winter, right after it broke, he had Lisa Vanderpump on. And my boss, the EIC of Glamour, was actually the bartender that night. Um, and we were like, oh, this is going to be huge. And it like wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah. Anti- like yeah, it was anticlimactic. Party? Yeah, yeah Jack like, and Brittany the next week were way more exciting and actually got a little bit a bit more than Lisa. Lisa was like, ah, these crazy kids. Right. Ah, you know, it was unsatisfying. I guess to give Andy, I mean, a little to throw him a bone, maybe, maybe the fact that that interview wasn't so amazing is all the more proof that this actually was real because I that was very early when he had Lisa. And I think even he was, no one really knew what was going on. So I think it was the week it broke and Katie was supposed to be the guest. Right. And then they had to like say, you can't go because you have to film now. And this is Katie didn't even realize what had happened yet. So she was like, oh, does it involve me? She didn't even know. Um, What was the toughest question you were talking about? You did have a couple of tough questions for Ariana. What, what in your opinion, was the toughest that you're like, you know, I want to ask this. And this is probably the most delicate thing I'm going to ask. Well, I think absolutely asking about, you know, the intimacy stuff, because even though she spoke about it on the show, like here I am being like. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 
$30 performance polos and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, tell me more about that. And so I was a little like, how how can I frame this in a way that feels like a, I wanted to make it feel like a safe space and not me prying for details on her sex life because that's not what I was, you know, going after at yeah, all. I wanted. So that was a little bit tough. And then, you know, it was tough for me to ask her, like, do you feel, I was curious, like, do you feel bad a little bit? Like, yeah, this guy totally sucks. Everyone's ripping on him on the internet and beyond. But like, this was your partner of nine years. No matter what anyone thinks of him, you did love him for whatever reasons. You know, you loved him. And I said, did you did you feel bad? That she seemed to like take a beat. I was like, do you feel bad when you see all this stuff written about him? She actually said, yeah, I do a little bit. And then I'm quickly, you know, brought back down to reality by remembering the deceit and the deception but I mean, I imagine that has to be really hard. Like, yeah, I mean, she was the ride or die. She keeps, you know, like I was ride or die. And she also says, I trusted him. So I didn't, 
I trusted my partner. And, and mm -hmm. I find it interesting when she gets pushback, it's like, okay, we get, we give her pushback because she actually trusted her partner, which essentially is what we're all supposed to do in relationships. But we all are so jaded because of our past actual relationships that we now find that funny of like, how dare you trust your partner? The other two things that I went into delicately was I really wanted to talk about, um, I wanted to talk about her sort of mental health and her um, struggles with disordered eating, which she has been vocal about. Um, I personally find it fascinating. You know, she had said, I think last year, or the year before, there were all these pickup, she said it in a, maybe a podcast and it got all this pickup. Now is my favorite part of the show when we get to talk about our sponsor for this week. And our sponsor, once again, is our friends over at ShipStation. I was so excited when they signed on to uh, to advertise on here. Because first off, I do believe in this product. And secondly, as I've said before, one of their other spokespeople is Miss Shannon Bador, who uses ShipStation like I do to send all of their very, very important shipping tasks, all of their mail. Um, listen, automation is kind of something that I'm needing to do more with all of my processes. You know, think about the thing in life that you want to automate. For me, when I think about it, I'm like, oh, okay. So I do the podcast, I talk all of this stuff, but then afterwards I got to do uh, the audio processing. I got to upload. I got to put all the tags on. I got to write the show description. And it kind of sucks the joy out of sometimes the actual task itself. Just talking to you guys. Now, we live in an increasingly automated world, but some things, they still do require this tedious manual work like I'm talking about. But luckily, for e-commerce business owners, shipping is no longer a manual task thanks to ShipStation. Because you can save time automating your shipping and your returns in the ShipStation dashboard while keeping costs down with industry-leading discounts. Now, for me... I'm going to be using this for all of our Patreon ma mailings. Uh, I, I potentially, when we actually, we have the web store right now and we're thinking about potentially switching companies to make this easier, but this would be great specifically to use ShipStation 4 because you would be able to do everything from one of the coolest dashboards that I've seen. I'll walk you guys through that in a second. Um, also, just so you know, you do get a free trial and it's a really quick setup if you want to check it out, which I hope you guys will all do. But now is that time to try ShipStation out if you have been on the fence. Now, the shipping rates are crazy compared to what you pay before you used it. You will be saving a great deal of money. I mean, you can get up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates. That's crazy. 84%? I just recently had Hello Harlot, who has an amazing uh, web store and, and all that. And this is exactly what she should use. This is it. For, you know, these businesses, these online businesses, especially if you are a startup of some sort, you know, this is the company to use. I mean, because it is effortless. It integrates with everything when you sell online. It in integrates with Amazon, Etsy, eBay, Shopify, all of them. You can manage every order from this one simple dashboard. And that means you print shipping labels, you can easily compare rates and delivery times to optimize 
every shipment and automate delivery notifications. And with enterprise solutions that make warehouse optimization easy, ShipStation scales when you do. I mean, this is a one-stop shop to get your product out in this timely, efficient, and economically efficient way. Um, like I said, you get 84% off in some cases. Uh, and if that's not enough, use my promo code to try ShipStation for free for two whole months. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce business with ShipStation. And 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Because that's what we want. We want somebody to take away to take away these little things that we don't want to worry about because we, we have all this other stuff to worry about. Let ShipStation do this part of your job for you. I highly recommend it. So spend more time growing your business when you automate shipping tasks with ShipStation. Go to ShipStation.com and use code SOBAD today and sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com code SOBAD. Now, I'm going to put the links in the description. It'll also have a link to uh, a video if you, if you want to check that out as well. But do it. See if it works for you. I think it will. And uh, yeah, tell them so bad. So bad it's good sent you. You know, I think this is, exa- this is exactly what you need. Anyways, back for the remaining portion of our show. About how when she started the show, she was really struggling with an eating disorder. And she was, you know, basically starving. And she was just so, so frail and so skinny. And she said now, I mean, she's still obviously like a very fit, small, privileged white woman. So there's no, there's no, but she did say I was so skinny. And she was like hearing people now going back to season one. Oh my God, she looks so amazing. She looks so much better. It just was like a gut punch because that too is such a thing that women have to deal with. Like no matter how much progress we think we've made in any area of being, you know, a woman and accepting and body positivity, it really does seem like being skinny is the sort of very skinny is this badge of honor. And she was like, I was really struggling. And she's like, it really hurts when people say that. And she was like, I still watch it. And I'm like, wow, I looked good. And then she's like, I have to snap myself back to reality. And she mentioned that her new boyfriend who is a trainer is very, um, you know, obviously well-versed in fitness. And she said that he's kind of helping her snap out of that being like, not eating is not a thing. Like you don't know, like eat, you have to eat. Like, so it was that I felt like we had to talk because she was really honest about that. And then also the, the thing that I, this, the garbage that Tom was spewing about how she threatened oh, to kill the tea. It, it, That was not that, that actually is, physically makes me sick like he is weaponizing her struggles with mental health but also she was like it's not true she was like i didn't and he keeps yeah. saying, you know he keeps saying that and then i mean just uh, there's a textbook of all the things you shouldn't say and it seems like thomas said every one of those things yeah. including last oh, night when he said oh yeah dude she left her shirt on it was real sexy and i'm like what in what right mind would you ever Thank ever you like i and that's, well, in a sense, so I was thinking about the article and I was like, in a sense, she, Ariana's the perfect glamour cover story because it hits every issue that women have to deal with in a lot of ways. 
I mean, yeah. like, you, you know, the eating disorders, sexuality, you know, uh, cheating, like there, these are all actual issues that women face every day and she is facing yeah. all of them. So in a sense that I'm like, it is then nice to see somebody thrive and also be honest about their struggles. You were talking about the weight thing. And I was like, even, uh, the reunion, she was telling Sheena of like, oh yeah, I lost eight pounds because I haven't eaten in the last week and a half. And I think Sheena was like, oh my God, girl, lot, nice. You know? And it was like, yeah. we still fall into these little kind of habits. Even last night when she was talking about the eight pounds, I remember thinking like, oh, I wish I could have a breakup and a stupid, funny joke in my head. But I was like, that's not even funny. We just hey, are so man. trained to do that. We all do it. I am so guilty of this. I'm guilty of like making a joke about, right. Like about that. Like you look amazing. I wish I could get a stomach flu like that. Like yeah, it's exactly. not okay. Like that's not cool. It's actually yeah. just so stupid. I also think the older I get and the more sort of like critical, I think about stuff like this. I also think like it's immensely privileged for us. Like we need to check our privilege at the door by saying that, like if you were somebody that I'm not saying, you know, we all struggle with our weight and our body image. But I think so many women that say that are just chasing. I don't know what we're chasing, what we want, but it's like, I don't know. Like I, I, I'll bring it back to myself, but I, I always, you know, rag on myself and I'm like, Oh, if I could be taller, if I could be skinnier, like I'm fine. Like I'm fine. I'm privileged. I'm, I'm able-bodied. Like I don't think, I have, we have bigger things to worry about. And so I think in a way, Ariana was saying that she was like, it kills me that like, I'll watch that old season and I'll have those thoughts about myself. And then she'll snap herself back and be like, I wasn't well then I'm, I'm in a better place now. So it's nice that she is, has that awareness. It's interesting to have reality television too, to show you those things where in our own personal lives, your personal life, Perry, you can't go back and go in season one of Perry's life. I noticed that I was being this way about myself. Like we remember those things, but to have it visually there and then to have people comment on it in the same time is wild. It must be well, but it's the same thing a little bit in what you go through. Like you, you write this article, it goes out to the world. It is live. Now people can read it. People start commenting on it. There's going to be Reddit threads. In fact, I opened Twitter today and some, I, you know, and a person I like said like, come on, why her on the cover? Are you kidding me? It's, it's oh too far already. And I was like, I immediately got angry and I was like, do I unfollow this person? And I'm like, well, you know what? I, I it's not, you know, like people can have their thoughts and I had to check myself from being reactionary, but I was like, what the fuck do you, of course, this is a cover story. And of course, like, why, why, why has it gone too far that she is on a, this is a perfect cover story that to me, it makes perfect sense. Do you, but do you get scared then of the reaction once you put something out into the world? No, not really. I mean, nothing like this. I, I've never, I've in my career, I've never written anything that feels contentious in any way. Like there's definitely some pieces that I've edited where I'm like, okay, we have to, you know, Godspeed to the writer. Like people are going to come for you. I've never like the stuff I've written. I've never had that feeling, but I do think it's funny with, with glamor and with women's publications in general, you kind of can't win. Right. You put, you put a sort of campy reality you know, so-called lowbrow topic on the cover. And people are like, really? You guys are doing this? Oh, but then we'll put like a politician on the cover and it's like, stick to television, stick to music. <laughs> so we get that all the time. Like we'll cover glamour covers, you know, in addition to entertainment and beauty and fashion and all that and sex, 
we cover, you know, culture. And, you know, if it's a large political story, we definitely covered, you know, Roe v. Wade and and very closely. And that's been an issue that Glamour has covered since the inception of the magazine. And by the way, 1938 was when Glamour started, you guys. This is almost they're they're nearing their hundredth anniversary in a, like a decade or so. We're like, I, I can't do math anymore. But 1938, this magazine has been around since. So that's wild. But uh, I would I, I will have to fact check that. But yes, it's, it's sorry, yeah, it's it's, no, it's yeah, a long time. 38 or 39, but yeah, it's been around for a really long time. And now you know it exists only online. But going back, you know, a couple of my colleagues worked on a book. Um, it's like a glamour coffee table book about our annual uh, Women of the Year awards. And we honor sort of people that are breaking ground in different areas and, and celebrities that are making change. And while writing the book, they went back into the archives. And it's really amazing. Like we have been covering issues just like the ones we see on Vanderpump, but also more cultural issues. So we've been covering infidelity and body image, and but also, you know, abortion rights and politics. And so it's like, you kind of can't win. I don't understand why people think that publications like ours just can't do it all. Of course we can. Women do. Like, I don't know why. So yeah, we get shit for putting Ariana on the cover. But then if we put, like I said, an activist or a politician, it'll be like, stick to reality TV. So it's like, all right. Well, also the people complaining, I'm like, you didn't read the article. Because if you read the article, you know exactly why, you know, like th this sure. is like a kind of a differing piece. And like, I even found it fascinating to find out about like, you know, her time in Florida. And now, you know, like picturing in her in high school by senior yeah. year, she was a member of like 10 different clubs. She was trying all of these things, but also that her she was doing inner child work. And, you know, she had you know, realized that her dad was somebody that just never came home. And I thought there was, you know, the obvious patterns with Sandoval as well. To me, this was just like, wow, this is more information that I wanted that fills out the picture of we, we talk or Lala talks about this uh, concept of the perfect victim, yeah. you know, cause she was trying to bring up her battles and why maybe they weren't as publicized. And I think that's just such interesting topics. But to me, this article filled in a lot of those blanks. Um, and, and I'm really curious to see where she goes from here. Um, uh, who's up next on your agenda? Who are you interviewing next? Who next? I personally don't have um, a subject for myself lined up. Um, who I'm trying to think who we have. That's huge. No one quite, no one quite as in the conversation, I think is Ariana right now, but I'm sure, I mean, we're always booking interesting people and, Floating it How around. does your day to day go? Like, do you are you constantly going? What's in the news? What excites me? You know, personalizing it. How do you go about your job on a daily basis? So yeah, I mean, basically, we just we read the news, and you know, we cover things like all publications. We'll cover sort of some trending news, and we'll just do a little bit of news that you know we'll cover breakouts from a different interview. But a lot of times, we like to put our own POV on on news. So. For, I'll give you an example. One of our writers pitched an idea today that I thought was fantastic about the reunion last night about sort of how his T-shirt, you know, she can't say the T-shirt on, how that was sort of the last straw in his downfall. And like she framed it as like, you know, men, she, she opened it up to a larger conversation, not just like dissing Sandoval, but like men like really brought it back to this, this, you know, body insecurity that women have. And it was just a great idea. So that was putting our own stamp on something that easily we just could have written that as straight news. But she was like, no, I want to like, 
voice my opinion. It, it opens up those conversations that are yeah. very real to women everywhere, but also in t- terms of even just the scandal economy of it. Like I had known that they, they knew that that comment was coming out and, and wisely her and Katie and a couple of the people between something, uh, uh, something about her sandwich, they made a t-shirt. The t-shirt so was smart. ready to go. And they had, Oh, they had sent it to me earlier in the day and they said, okay, Kate, once this line airs on East coast, Kate is going to post it. You need to repost it. And like, they really had this, like, let's take this misery and try to make something good out of it to try to like, get this, get this going, get this up and running. And I thought, what a way to take something bad and make it potentially good for themselves. I mean, to me, that's just the definition of success. It's like brushing your shoulder off, laughing, you know, laughing at it, not even with it, like laughing at it, just being like, okay. And then turning it into, turning it into money, turning it into profit, turning it into PR for your next venture, which is the sandwich shop. It's all very smart. And if you come at it from like this good place, which I think Ariana does in this profile shows, I want to support people like that. Like those are the people that I really do want to put my dollars behind. I have a couple more minutes with you. Thank you for going this long with us. But uh, just as a fan, overall this season, did this season blow you away? Because the last two seasons of Vanderpump Rules have not been excellent. Were you sucked in like all of us were sucked in? A hundred percent. I was, not only was I sucked in, I was, I admired I was very invested in the creepy vibes that this. I mean, watching the season play out for me truly was like watching like a like sort of a pulpy like either like a B movie. I kept thinking of like Roger Corman or like or like a, <laughs> or like a psychological thriller. <laughs> so I'll tell you something funny when I was writing the piece I actually reached out to Quentin Tarantino's publicist and I was like is he a fan of Vanderpump Rules because I would love to know like how he would have written the rest of this oh my we never heard back but like I was like if he if this was his somebody would like have an ear cut off you know what I mean I just wanted him to like fan I wanted him to fan. Could you uh, now? I'm now. I'm not going to get that out of my head of Tarantino speaking about. Okay, see what you do here is you know right? Martin Scorsese. Uh, Lala says is a fan of Vanderpump Rules, so I'm curious if yeah, he got into I didn't know that. Season. I, yeah, I wish I knew that because I would have reached out. I would have loved to have heard from one of a director who really is adept at sort of like body horror and psychological dread and how they would have maybe written the rest or just because that's how I felt watching. And I thought the team did a good job. Maybe this is why people thought it was fake because they did a good job of sort of editing and re-editing in a way that actually had a little bit of a narrative as opposed to some of the other seasons, which is just like, here's me at work. Here's me at home. Here's me partying. Like this had a through line and it was edited and scored and everything accordingly. And it felt cohesive. It It felt creepy. I was, I watched with my husband and he, he too, we were just like, this is like the way Raquel and Tom, they were just creepy. And I just, but by the way, like you support them at the beginning of the season in a way. And then once all this stuff starts breaking, you start watching it again. And even like the mustache looks creepy. The band looks creepy. Like, you know, like you, you, it is interesting because we have this psychological shift in how we view it as an audience. And you're like, wait a sec. I used to think that mustache was cool. And now it looks like really skeevy to me. And like, Oh my God, what is, you can go back and watch lessons, his like cheekbones, everything just like really. And it, that's, that's a very, that's also like probably not biased because I'm given the information, but like 
they they led me to that obviously by the way they edited it but like yeah like he him and Raquel they they were definitely gave me some like horror thriller vibes what did you think about the season with DJ James Kennedy he's had an interesting arc in the sense that you know a lot of these people have done these horrific things and DJ James Kennedy for the audience seems to be on an upswing yeah. even though I want to remind people that he's he's done some really troubling things and season 11 like it's really you know, the goodwill he has built up, it's really his to lose at this point, you know, depending on what he does. Was it interesting seeing some of these other characters dunk on Scandaval when they've been mm -hmm. involved in interesting things themselves? A hundred percent. He was someone the whole, the whole season. I enjoyed watching him. I think he emerged co covered in glory more or less, but yeah, I mean, I couldn't forget as a fan, a lot of the things that he said and did. And I mean, I feel like for quite a few seasons watching him, I was nervous for him. I feel like it wasn't just reality fun. I felt like I was watching a real breakdown and I didn't know if it would end well for him. I just had that. And so it's just interesting how that's all swept under the rug, the way he treats women and his friends yeah. and his temper and his drinking and the comments about women's bodies a few seasons ago. And I think that it's kind of interesting, but I also understand that that's the nature of reality. Someone emerges as a villain. There can't be 10 villains. Like someone emerges as the villain and someone else retreats. And, you know, like I think it kind of goes in waves, but. Well, I think I that's part of Sandoval's <laughs> problem is thinking of, of thinking of his life in terms of reality television now. And that's why he screwed up so badly. Cause he was like, it goes in waves. Everything's going to be okay. Raquel's right. going to be a hero next season. Like yep. they really, their brains are mush. And they thought they were, he was editing this in his head and he thought he was going to come out on top because he really didn't count on Ariana finding out when she did. So the deck of like, you know, you even pointed that out in the article, the, the house of cards kind of completely fell down mm -hmm. and, right. uh, you know, and then in terms of Katie, what did you think about her? I thought this would have been really, truly her season in the sense because of Schwartz, but mm -hmm. it didn't get hijacked by Scandaball. But it is interesting that it took a little bit of a backseat. I loved, I loved Katie this season. I will say, out of yeah. everyone, I mean, I'm grateful. Ariana was incredible, and I think I was. I'm so happy to have met her and know her. But I also think Katie is somebody I would like to meet too because I've I've actually always liked Katie. I know she got she gets a lot of hate, but I think she seems. I always thought she was extremely articulate. Um, she always managed to communicate her thoughts, even when she was angry. She always got her point across, and I always disconnected with her. And I thought she was phenomenal this season. I think she was grounded. I thought she was she really was self possessed, and I don't know. I I, I really liked her. I feel like we'd be friends. Like. I, like not and, in a starstruck way, but I feel like in my life, that personality is someone I would gravitate towards. She just seems like very no bullshit. And then Lala, what is your take on Lala? Because she's Love been Lala. interesting. Love, Love Lala. Okay. Love. Love. I, I've always liked her. Um, I actually interviewed her um, for a story, a uh, beauty story, uh, right when she was releasing her book. And she was like, so awesome. And she, it was just such a great con. We were talking about skincare and like, self-care and wellness. And she was like amazing. I love her. I mean, I think that a lot of the hate she's been getting online that I see is people think that she's trying to center herself and be, ah, oh, me, me, me. And, but I think it maybe, but so what? And it comes from a well-meaning place. She's not really talking about herself. She's defend. She's looking out for Ariana and yeah, she's giving her own backstory because it's like some ways it's similar and maybe she does know a little better. So I think people thought she was a little too vocal at the reunions. Her and James were like trying to be the center of attention. But number one, that seems to be their personalities. Don't watch if you don't like that. And number two, 
that's just, I mean, she's doing the right thing. She's, she's standing up for Ariana and for women. And I don't, I, I like her. I think she's great. I think the show needs her. And I, she's also somebody that I would probably in my real life, if I came across her, I don't think a lot of people would want to be friends with her. I would, I think I love no bullshit people. That's just the kind yeah. of person I want to spend my time with. Yeah. So I think she seems awesome. And you, and guys, you have three different types. You have all these different types of women on this show. So it's like they're not, you can't fit it all in the same box, which I think that's what people keep coming back now at this point for Vanderpump Rules is the strong female cast because the male cast seems to be really the fulcrum, the fulcrum of pain that this all like hinges on. Uh, So Perry, thank you so much. I I fully geeked out this hour. I also want to just compliment you on how you start this article. It's far better for a man to live on the roof with a contentious woman. You start it with a Bible passage, which I thought was a brilliant start. Did you always have that in your mind to start this article that way? I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm not a religious person. Um, (laughs) The reason I can give the backstory. So the whole lead is sort of like, like sort of talking about, you know, how things haven't changed. Even back then in the old Testament, they're like, men would rather literally live on the roof than be with a woman that wants to talk. And I didn't really, I wasn't, it's not that I was familiar with the verse, but I was familiar. I did know in, in every Bible and every religion, there's a lot about vindictive women and angry women. And so I started Googling some, some phrases and I was curious where it would lead. And I came across that one and I was like, wow, that is perfect. Cause I hadn't the point in my head. I just mocked yeah. with, with like passages of the Bible, but I was like, I know that that is such, and I, I thought like, maybe this is me overthinking, but I mean, this drama, this show, it's like biblical shit this year. <laughs> like, I mean, um, it really is. It's Shakespearean. It's biblical. I would love in your studies of the Bible. There. There's yep. like a, there's a whole chapter on Raquel in the Bible. It's like amazing. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, Perry yeah. Samuelton, thank you so much for being with us today. Truly, what uh, thank you for so much time. You guys, this Glamour article, worth your time. Going to link it. Going to put it in my Instagram stories as well. I hope I get to talk to you sometime down the line. Uh, you know, just amazing work you're doing. And uh, uh, thank you so much, Perry. Thank you, Ryan. My pleasure. Betches.